This week I try my hand at a short story, not something I've done for many, many years, but here we are. Hope you enjoy. Our story is entitled A Life Allegorical. As he walked down Main Street, he was aware that this would be the last time. As times went, it was a pretty standard affair. You got to the garage and after that, well, it dissolved into open countryside of scrub and dust for a while. The town held so many memories for him. This is where he was born and brought up. He'd been schooled here, learned about religion, played his sports, found his first love. It all seemed to be so simple back then. Why, everybody had followed the same path as he, a well-trodden path that his parents and their parents before had followed. It was a path of security, a path that had a certain certainty to it. When he was younger, he'd expected to go into the family business. That's what everybody around here did. And he was expected to do the same. But of course, the economy had veered round so badly and so quickly it had caught everybody off guard, and so many of the old ways had to be wound up and closed down. Of course, there were always promises that new things would come and take the place of the old. Some did, but last very long. So here he was, walking out of town. He'd always had his family to turn to when the going got rough, and often they'd turn to him too. But of late, they no longer seemed to be speaking the same language. As the old ones died away, there was less to hold them together, and deeper cracks were appearing daily. Blood is thicker than water, they'd say. But he felt that blood would run hot, but especially ice cold when it came to family. Blood might be thicker than water, but it really felt money is thicker than blood, final accounting. It was just as well they'd all been brought up in the church. Now, that really bound people together. Well, it bound some people together and it excluded others. But it was a good, strong force. Sadly, though, nobody seemed to really want to go there anymore. The churches still had a strong hold over the schools, though. So if you wanted the best for your child, you went to a church on a Sunday for a little while. Uh, well, the, the bare, respectable minimum amount of time. And eventually you ended up working a swing system with your partner, so you only had to go every second week. He thought it was just sad how you had to spend quite a bit of time afterwards with the little ones, explaining why you thought so differently to the people who ran those places, and why they really needed to rethink everything they'd learned there and at school. It was a strange process. It was the sheer hollowness of the message they were still pushing. Uh, why would it matter what happened to you after you die? Surely when you're dead, you're dead. They always seemed to think it would be a better version of death. What a bizarre idea, kind of like a, a death light, uh, which always sounded really boring with angels and clouds and harps. So he felt now it was time for a change of scene. School had promised so much and delivered so little. Having left his first school aged about 11, he'd arrived at his senior school 
totally unprepared. He was unprepared emotionally, unprepared mentally, totally underprepared physically. He was a tiny boy surrounded by these hoods. Mature boys were mean. They'd been taught to be mean by the system. They'd been taught that big boys never show their emotions and that that was a terrible weakness. They'd been taught that if anybody looked different to them, then they were to be suppressed in any way possible. That they should be physically suppressed was obvious. But what was even more important was that they should be crushed emotionally too. It was as if in having the system crush one's emotions, the only way to respond was to make absolutely sure that everybody else had their feelings extracted from them too. And so the abuse went from year to year. The mighty dominated the weak. The sportsmen dominated the brain boxes. The males dominated the... Somehow the girls seemed to have signed up for this process too. They seemed to be enrolled, well, most of them. Clearly, as with the pecking order in the male society, the same applied to the, applied to the female line. But this time it was beauty and then sport that dominated everything. You'd better not have dared to be different in this town. God forbid you came from a from another continent. Some people arrived from Africa, but by golly, they didn't stay long. They'd felt the approbation of the populace, and sometimes their sticks too. How the people had laughed, and sometimes still did on a Saturday night at the men's club. Well, that sounds really bad. The men's club, well, it allowed the ladies now. It wasn't like it was backwards here. The men's club had taken down the wall to the coal cellar when a new gas boiler had been installed. And they'd built a ladies' bar. Everybody had agreed it was a great advancement at the time. Not many people used it often, though, and it got very cold in winter. Still, it made a good place to keep tops and brooms. One or two families came from China to open a laundry, another a restaurant, and that did takeaways. Ah, oh, the Chinese are okay. People don't mind them too much. They keep themselves to themselves, and they're basically half-white anyway. As they say, people round here don't take well to change. They like things to stay the same. Well, it gives you security, you know. Things started to spiral a bit out of control a few years ago. Everybody had really rated Ryan. They thought him a strong man with a strong moral code. His record was unblemished. As a hunter, he was peerless. Nobody could run as fast, shoot as straight, arm wrestle as well as he. He was a real man's man, a prodigious drinker who loved to party late into night at the men's club. When it came to needing a new leader, there was actually very little discussion about it. His only opponent was Doug. And Doug had got himself beaten so badly in a barroom brawl by those strangers from out of town. He was left deaf in one ear with such a shocking twitch and such a funny limp that he decided to pull out of the race, leaving it clear for Ryan to move into the top spot. Of course, there were stories about Ryan, but only whispered at home, never in public. From time to time, one of his children would come to the store for food, 
but Mummy was too ill to go out shopping. He'd caught sight of her once. It looked like she'd walked into a door, poor thing. It was odd how often that happened. He thought people should have been more careful where they walked. Well, the wheels really started to come off when Ryan's secretary discovered Ryan and one of the young police officers, both naked and playing with the officer's handcuffs and nightstick. It seemed that she got such a shock when she walked in, she walked into a door too. However, it all turned out to be a misunderstanding. They'd been planning some sort of joke or other. Why in heaven's name would two guys want to get naked? It could only have been a hilarious prank of some sort they were playing. Um, so it was just sort of sadly spoiled by Miss uh, Sneak, by her untimely entry. I forget her name. Um, he thought it had been something that ended with Barn or maybe Berg on the end. But for some reason, as Daddy had told him, she changed it when she arrived in town to help her get on better. He never really un understood what Daddy had meant by that. Goldberg, maybe? Changed it to Smith? Anyway, the town had seemed like a strange place ever since. So much that people could hold on to seemed to have shifted just out of grasp. When Grandpa got ill, the problems had started for him. Nobody knew what was making him so bad. It was easy to see that when Grandma had died the year before, that he'd become unhappy with his life. Soon he'd taken to his bed. Nobody liked that. They felt that vertical was the way we were made and vertical should be the way we should stay until the final day. If you tripped up in the street, somebody would rush to stand you up again and dust you off, sending you on your way. It hadn't sat well with anybody that Grandpa wanted to lie down and not get up again. What a strange angle to look at life. Sideways. How crazy was the old man? And well, the thing that would get him up was a pill called Zumazol. The doctor told us it was the best that they had for this kind of thing. That it only had a few side effects. In the early days of his taking it, Grandpa had driven really fast at a telephone post, missing it because he'd had to shut one eye, and running down Mr Yates's dog in the process. We'd all laughed when we'd found Grandpa raving and raging behind the wheel, with the car kind of perched on top of a small hummock, all four wheels still spinning, and Spotty arranged like a hood ornament, dead on the bonnet of the car. Grandpa never seemed to be happy now. He'd done what everybody expected of him. He'd worked from eight until six, six days a week. He'd provided for five children. He hadn't been too unkind to the dogs or grandma. He'd attended church each Sunday and, of course, the men's club every Saturday night. He'd stuck by his school friends through thick and thin. He'd even helped the Chinese family once. But the last 15 years, they'd just been a bit quiet for him. The professionals didn't really understand why Grandpa hadn't responded well to the Zoomazole. Most old people did. If you just dosed up on it and took a comfy seat in front of the television, all your pain went away. It was actually possible to spend 20 hours a day like that. What's not to like, for heaven's sakes? Grandpa had told him that everything had changed too much. 
Strangers coming into town. Shops shutting. Post office moving to a corner shop. The police moving to another town. And the fire brigade being manned by volunteers. Most of whom were drunk by 5pm. In fact, it was even questioned at a town meeting why so many fires happened late on a Saturday night. Why the firemen would turn up with beers and burgers that they'd bought the day before. Well, that line of quiet inquiry never got followed up, though. The only people who ever lost property were either from Africa or China or out of town anyway. The judge, who was an honorary fireman himself, had said that it was slanderous to suggest such a thing. There was no case to answer, especially as the witness, Mr Yip, had got himself beaten so badly that he couldn't even come to court. And so now he found himself wandering out of town. It was around the time of Grandpa's death that he'd started to doubt things. It wasn't something he could put his finger on. Maybe it felt like a storm was building in the east. Sometimes before a lightning storm, he'd felt the same thing. Undefinable tension, foreboding. Now, Grandma was a wise lady. Unfortunately, her wisdom was always getting her into trouble with the townsfolk, especially with our neighbours. Mr Yates's spotty ate something one day. They say it was probably Mrs Yates's Zumerol prescription that had been left on the porch. Well, Grandma made Spotty a tea from leaves and herbs. Well, by the next morning, Spotty was right as rain. They'd all sat around expecting Spotty to die that night. But Grandma's tea had brought him back. People didn't really like that. They defended the natural way. Well, when it's your time, it's your time, surely. One of the people who'd been most upset with her was Grandpa. After Grandma fell down the cellar stairs, she wasn't that interested in her herbs anymore. He'd spent many years himself in the men's club. Somehow, the conversation had worn a bit thin for him, so he'd kind of decided to stop going. When he was younger, been offered such a promising life. Like everybody else, he'd bought himself the dream car. Although they'd taken it back and been unable to keep up with the payments. Janie had been so happy when they first married. The shine went off that pretty quick. Especially when the factory closed down. The bank had taken back the keys to number 66. So many of his young friends had bought the dream just like him had been deeply disappointed. What choice did you have? Self-anesthetic or suicide? So many young men had opted for the permanent solution. Well, advertising had sold them a dream. Schools and parents had sold them a lifestyle. Everywhere they looked, there were more happy people shoving their dubious stories into their faces. Was any of it ever true? To get so far down the line and suddenly see the truth of their own situation versus where life had told them they should be by now. It was enough to make many of them end it in disgust with their lives. 
or with their partner's lives, or just with the lies. Of course, there was the other option. Lie to yourself. Buy the garbage they were selling. Look the other way. Work hard and die early. Sometimes it was just too exhausting to even bother thinking about life. Just work and die. That's the best way. Try not to cause too much fuss as you step quietly into their corporate grave. He tried Zumbazol himself quite a bit. Mixed it with a lot of alcohol. <laughs> Why? Wow, they had some crazy nights. No matter how much fun, the next day was filled with remorse. His body felt tired and bloated these days. Stevie had been his constant companion when he was young. Wow, those people sure knew how to live. Their teeth were so white, their skin so glowing. That's all he wanted. That's all anybody wanted. He'd caught sight of himself in the bathroom mirror that morning. And though he actually looked nothing like the men on TV, his eyes were sunken and sallow. His skin was greying from the work with the chemicals. Psoriasis was flaring up everywhere. He'd stopped cooking for himself quite a while back. It was much easier to heat up a plate. When you live alone, it's easy to fall into these patterns. He knew what he liked, and so he'd never really looked at the boxes or the ingredients lists. Just sort of click and ping, and there it was. Another thing, another TV suggestion that followed. It made him really sad for a while, seeing their perfect lives so different to his. But for starters, they didn't have to deal with all this dust. There'd been a lot of green stuff around in the old days, but that was before the soft drinks bottling plant had turned up. It made so many new jobs, nobody had minded that the water table just got lower and lower. Over time the plant got bigger, but the jobs became less, and the water never really came back. It's so dusty these days. But we're thankful we can get bottled water at just over cost price from the factory shop. What a boon. Well, the turning point had come for him in Grandma's last days. He'd spent much time beside her bed. She'd whispered many things in his ears. She'd come from a town down the road. He'd never ventured out in that direction. But he was headed there now. She'd told him that things were handled differently there. She'd once tried to go home, but Grandpa had gotten so cross with her. <coughs> He'd ridden out with five other men to bring her back. He wouldn't tell me the full story. Just that Grandpa had persuaded her to stay and not go home again. For her, the dust and the noise of the factories and the bottling plants had always been too much. For him, he'd never noticed it. She told him that the quiet he'd once experienced when he hid under the stairs, that could be found in the old town every day. 
She'd set the constant shouting of parents, TVs and employers, the constant announcements and encouragement over the town tannoy system, along with the traffic sounds and the blaring of car horns. Well, that just didn't happen where she came from. Imagine that, she said. <laughs> He'd found it very hard to do. He'd struggled to remember that quiet she'd reminded him. Well, for starters, he'd have to remove his headphones. Initially, the idea of life without sound had rather scared him. The same way that stopping the Zoomazole or the alcohol had done. But bit by bit, drip by drip, moment by moment, he'd done as Grandma had asked and allowed a little bit of quiet into his life. She'd also instructed him about the herbs in her garden, how to make teas to calm himself, how to bring his appetite back. Food had been an interesting rediscovery for him. He'd harvested her homegrown fruit and veg, such a funny old-fashioned thing to do. He'd remembered about cooking for himself. He was feeling stronger and better. Grandma's greatest gift was to tell him that he wasn't his story. At first, he didn't really understand that. Everybody had always told him how to live. They'd always told him what people like us do. They'd always told him how much like his father he was. Of late, he'd stopped believing them, though. He didn't feel that it was actually true. Feel, yes, there was another gift from Grandma. She talked him through his stories. Did he really believe what the church had been telling him? What about all that stuff on TV? Schools, they'd given him so much hope. Did he believe that? What about love? We saw it on TV every day. Had he been taken in by that version? Slowly, but surely. Society was exposed for the fraud it was. The more he looked, the more he found to see right through it. Grandma's tool of silence was a most unusual thing. It seemed that the less he thought, the more he actually understood. For the first time in many years, he was beginning to understand his place in the universe. Oh, well, that was another interesting side effect. For the first time ever, he started to consider what might lie beyond the garage at the end of town. Well, practice makes perfect, they say. There were times of day when he was able to be there in this life, not really be there. Everybody thought he was playing the game like them. Nose to the grindstone. It'll all be over soon. They all secretly hoped they would get an easy cancer or a degenerative disease that wouldn't kill them so quickly. But they would have time to take a bit of sick pay, have some time off, have people actually care about them. That was the magic bullet. No more work, lots of sympathy. Well paid and eventually a small pension for their grateful family. From the corporation, never gave a shit about their health whilst they were alive. Certainly didn't shit, we're about to die now.
He was different these days. He was able to spend long passages of time with his mind empty. He looked like he was thinking. The truth was that his mind had finally escaped the bounds of this fly-blown dust bowl. Only after his mind escaped, his body had started urging him to do so. That's why he was leaving the city limits right now. Nobody would come after him, not from this town. Nobody would really miss him. If the truth be told, most people had begun to think of him as odd. They felt he was out of step with them. Deep down, they suspected his moral compass had gone astray. It wasn't something you could put a finger on, or a look in his eyes that had scared them, like nothing they'd seen before. None of his friends would ever come with him. Partners, lovers, family, children. They all wanted no part of him. Most of them thought it was too difficult. Some too scary. Yet others downright wrong, sinful. Somewhere inside, he'd connected with the truth whom he really was. Once found, it could never be forgotten or denied. One sight of the freedom had been enough to start him packing. One deep soulful gap in his day, like a plunge into a cool lagoon on a baking afternoon, had been enough to convince him that it was worth leaving everything behind. Just touching that truth was enough to let him know that nothing could ever be wrong again, and that everything had started flowing. He just needed to follow watercourse, and life would support him. If he walked into any doors, he'd know he'd taken a wrong turn. As he walked into the cool night, the firm asphalt beneath his feet rose up to meet him. The stars lit his way. The cool breeze whispered words of truth in his ears. A new world lay ahead, empty, still, quiet and inviting. He felt sure that from this new perspective, life would all start make more sense.